Hey there, Lisa Schwartz here. Welcome to my podcast, Teach and Talk with Lisa, where we are unpacking biblical principles with everyday words and applying them to our everyday lives. Hey guys, welcome to my series on discipleship. I want to talk about the lost art of discipleship. What is discipleship? Uh, what did Jesus talk to us about discipleship? How did he demonstrate discipleship? How do we incorporate discipleship into our culture today? Um, but for t- today, I want to share with you a little bit about why this topic is so important to me and a little bit about my own personal discipleship experience. Now, let me uh, remind you that my very first book that I wrote is on discipleship. It's called Discipleship from Information to Execution. Now, the reason why I titled it was because I felt as though when I came into the knowledge of who Jesus Christ was, uh, which wasn't until I was 18, I immediately just began to get filled with all kinds of information and knowledge about what it looked like to live like a Christian, what it looked like to be a Christian wife, what it looked like to be a Christian mom. And I had all this information and all this knowledge, and it was very overwhelming to me. I did not uh, know how to execute that in some regard to make all that information a reality in my life. So for those of you who follow along, you know that part of um, what I do, my passion is really um, pulling like truths that are true for us kingdom realities into our natural reality and how do I yank what God says is true for me, what God is inviting me into, how do I yank that into my lifestyle and make it actually a reality that I walk in. So I mentioned earlier that I um, was not saved until I was 18. I came to know the Lord and I immediately had this hunger for the word and I immediately had a hunger for the fellowship of uh, believers and I just was enamored with the whole Um, idea of God and his love and I'm just walking in a lifestyle that was better um, than what I had experienced my entire life. I had always kind of struggled with um, what I now know is probably some depression, a lot of anxiety, uh, panic anxiety attacks. Um, I had gone through some challenges with my home life as we all do um, growing up and brought me to when I was 18 really just searching and seeking. Now, when I was in junior high, I remember really trying to search out like God, being very intrigued, being very um, hungry to really know salvation. I remember going to, uh, we went to the Catholic church at the time and I remember going to Sister Mary and going after school and really wanting to learn more about God. But for whatever reason, I missed the message of salvation. But I do believe, as I look back, that all of that was God um, just preparing my heart and bringing me to the point of that day uh, when I was 18, when I accepted the Lord as my Savior, when it was the gospel message was presented to me. And for whatever reason, I had this aha moment. We know now it's the revelation of the Holy Spirit that revealed truth. We know scripture says that no man can call me Lord Jesus except by the Holy Spirit, that no man is drawn unto the Lord except by the Spirit of God. And so for whatever reason, when I was 18, I came to know uh, Jesus is my personal Savior, and I immediately just went into just the season of <clears throat> learning and getting information and, and doing what I had always done, which was intellectually um, and educationally really trying to learn about God. Now, I'm not saying all of that was a waste, um, certainly not saying that, but as I um, began to move down the path of life, I got married when I was 18. 
Uh, by the time I was, I just turned 21 when I had my first child, um, and I had really bad postpartum depression and uh, all of the angst and all of the paranoia and all of the depression and everything that I had struggled with, um, a lot of my life really just kind of came to a head after I had a child. Um, and on top of that, uh, he was super colicky. So he would cry all the time. He would cry during the day. He would cry at night. And I just honestly struggled with feeling like such a failure and had so much self-rejection and so much self-hate. And I had been deceived. You know, I talk a lot about the system of the world and what the system teaches us. And I had been deceived by this picture of this woman that would be sitting in a nursery holding this baby who was sleeping and her hair would be done and the nursery would be clean and she would be wearing white and everything was just bliss, right? And, and call me crazy, but that was the picture that I had of having my first child and it was not like that. Um, so my husband worked a lot. He was going to school full time. He worked two, jo two jobs to keep me home. And I had this crying baby. So he was never, what I felt like was never home, never available, what I felt like was never available. Um, and so there were all kinds of rejection, failure, I'm not loved going on inside of me. And so I was going, and I was going to church, going to church, going to church. And what I found for me was the more I went to church, the more honestly it just exacerbated this feeling of failure because I was seeing this standard of who I was supposed to be, uh, what I was supposed to be living my life like, how I was supposed to be treating and thinking about my husband, how I was supposed to be thinking and treating my son, and and I was none of those things. And so I really struggled with going to church and not coming home feeling like I was just even more of a failure. So neither Brad or I had been raised in a biblical environment. We're both what you call first-generation Christians. And so we were doing the best we could with uh, the best that we knew, how to do whatever, just do life. Um, and so I started going to this lady's Bible study. Um, and I remember this super clearly, started going to this lady's Bible study. And, um, you know, everybody would kind of, and again, you got to remember, like, this was my perception of what was happening. Like, everybody else had their crap together except for me. Like, why do all these women, like, their kids, their hair is done, uh, their kids' shoes are on the right feet, they haven't forgotten their diaper bag at home, they seem like they've just got it all figured out, and they have more children than I do, and here I am barely making it with one I can barely get through a night. The baby's crying through the night. I'm leaking out of every orifice of my body. It's just like, I was like, this is like, what is wrong with me that I cannot seem to get myself together? Um, and so, and again, remember I was struggling with a lot of postpartum depression. So I remember one day we, we were in this lady's um, Bible study and we went to McDonald's afterwards and we were all sitting there. And I mean, I think I must've just been extremely tired. I, in fact, I think I was pregnant with my second child at that point. And, um, obviously Turner, my first one was, you know, beyond the colicky stage or what have you, but I still really just struggled with depression now being pregnant, having the hormones of all of that. And my husband just working all the time, going to school. Um, and, and again, y'all, this is not a fault to him. Read my book to love and to be loved. I share a lot about our story and, uh, the years of continual defining our relationship according to the pattern of Christ instead of the pattern of our past or the pattern of our wounds, or the patterns of our parents. Because remember, we were first-generation Christians. So we're sitting there at McDonald's, and, and I just, 
I was sitting there and I'm listening to all these women honestly talk about like nothing deep, like just, so what are you guys going to make for supper? And oh, I made this new recipe. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. But y'all, if you know me, like I am not a small talk girl and I'm not, I don't, I like the things that normally interest women, like don't really interest me. So like cooking and cleaning and crafting and all of that stuff. And again, nothing wrong with that, but I really struggled to fit in. Like, I was like, none of this is even real right now. Like, are you serious that you guys all are just going to get up and you ironed your husband's clothes this morning and you're making a casserole for dinner, dinner, and you get along with your mother-in-law and all of these things. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just, again, was kind of spiraling into this hole of just really feeling like I was a failure and really just felt like in a moment, like the Lord said, if you're honest and you open the door and you give permission for honesty and transparency, you might be surprised what you find. And y'all, I'm, I'm like choked up over this because um, I think we spend so much time really trying to pretend that we're okay when sometimes we're not. And not having a safe place where we can just be real, be open, be honest. And there was so much courage that the Holy Spirit gave me in that moment to just be open and to be honest and to say to these women, like, I feel like I'm dying on the inside. Yo, I'm exhausted. Like, I don't know how you do all of this. And so I just started asking them questions, like saying, like, do you guys ever like, just feel like you're so tired? You, your body hurts. Like, do you ever feel like you just don't want to get up out of bed? Do you ever feel like, like, I feel like sometimes you struggle with thinking, oh my gosh, I was to the brinks of so much tired, so much fatigue, so much frustration that I can see where women hurt their children. I mean, I'm just being raw here and being real. You know, do you ever feel like, you know, you don't get along with your mother-in-law? Like, like, how am I going to get along with this woman for the rest of my life? Or my father-in-law, how am I going to get, or my own mother or my own father or whatever it is. Like, I just start throwing out these real questions. Like, do you ever feel so rejected by your husband um, that you have a hard time sleeping at night? Do you ever feel like you're just so ugly when you look in the mirror because of your baby fat and all of these things? Like, I just honestly, like all of these questions that I was struggling with in my own mind, I just started throwing them out. And it was interesting because one by one at this table at McDonald's in the little play area, I remember these women starting to cry and starting to share. And it, and look, the, the point here wasn't to commiserate or to be like, oh yeah, life sucks and we're all gonna, you know, deal with the sucky life together. The, the idea here was, and you've heard me talk about the importance of cultivating an atmosphere where people feel emotionally safe, to be honest and to be transparent. And I just was like, I have got to take this mask off and set it on the table. And if you guys are willing, I'd love to see what's under your mask as well. And that day we birthed something called what we just called the mom's support group. Um, and it's really honestly was the first step. I didn't know it then, but it was the first step towards crazy eight, which was cultivating an atmosphere where people could organically just be discipled into the ways of the kingdom. And we started the mom support group. And of course we did what we thought we were supposed to do. Uh, which was let's have a Bible study. Um, but we quickly began to realize like having a Bible study was not what we needed. It was not relevant. 
Um, and again, I was like, dude, I'm too tired and I'm too exhausted to do a Bible study. So again, like I'm going, so we started this and two, three months into it, I'm like showing up on a Friday morning and I'm like, uh, I haven't done my Bible study. In fact, I forgot my book on the counter, but I have both of my children with me today. And so I just was like not realistic for where I was at. It was too much work. Uh, it was too much pressure. And again, I would show up on a Friday morning feeling like a total loser and a failure because I did not do my Bible study. And so what we found was uh, we needed to, to talk about real life stuff. We needed um, a space and a place to take a nap in a corner while somebody was watching our children. And so we began partnering with the church and um, putting together babysitting. We had youth come in and do babysitting. And then we started to have um, older women come into the church. The Bible says in Titus 2, uh, the older women likewise, that they must be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, and th that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And so I'm going to be in the next episode, I'm going to be talking about the, the lost art of discipleship and the old, the, the cultures of yesterday and the way apprenticeship and the older women living with the younger women was a natural thing. That's how we learned was by doing life together. Um, and so the Lord really just began to give me these ideas of what it would look like to create camaraderie among this group and have older women come in and not do a Bible study, not really do a devotional, but just talk to us about a pivotal point in their, their life um, at home with their husband, in their career, whatever it was, um, and how the Lord was relevant. And so we kind of really gave this very specific prompt. Um, so let me go more into my personal discipleship. So through this, there was a woman who moved into town and her name is Kate. Um, and maybe you guys have heard me talk about her. Maybe you haven't. She has an amazing discipleship program, um, and a book that she has written as well. And this was 25 years ago. She starts coming um, to this group and she has, she's pregnant with her sixth kid. And this woman is like happy, like genuinely happy. And she like loves her husband, like genuinely loves her husband. And all of her children are like super obedient and super sweet. I was enamored with um, just who she was, the genuine joy that she had. And I was like, whatever it is this woman has, I want it. Um, and so I just began to kind of hang out around her and listen to her. And I remember just being super enamored, um, just with everything about her. Um, and so one day I just basically asked her if she would be willing to go to lunch. And I started asking her questions. Well, I did not know at the time, but lo and behold, this woman had a heart for discipleship. And so, um, she opened up her home and I started going over into her home on a regular basis. And we just started doing life together. I was pregnant with my second child and I was so fearful of going through postpartum depression again and had so many questions about how to get your kids to sleep through the night and how do you, how do you discipline your children? All of these things. Um, and Kate did not just give me information. Kate brought me into her home and she began to just live a life of demonstration in front of me. And I got to learn by observing. Um, and I'm going to be talking a lot about discipleship and what it requires and how, what discipleship is and what discipleship is not. And really taking a look at the scriptures 
and how Jesus made disciples and taking a look at how it was more than just giving information, but he lived a life of demonstration that they came alongside him and observed and they learned the ways of the kingdom by actually watching it. Um, so we're going to be talking a lot about that and the importance of um, who we are and are we living a life that is worthy of imitation that people can, and then are we inviting people to come alongside us and to just watch what we do, to do what we do. You know, Jesus said himself, I say only what I hear the Father saying. I do only what I see the Father doing. And so he stayed alongside the Father and he watched kingdom ways through the way his father operated and he imitated what God was doing. Can't think of a better example of discipleship than just that. But I wanted to share with you today why discipleship is so important to me personally. This is why it was my very first book. When I started writing a book, I had no idea uh, what I was going to write on. Um, but since then, um, since I met Kate, I have then brought students into my own home. Um, I've had students live with me, um, really helped rehabilitate their lives. And that honestly is where the entire, um, the entire housing program and crazy ministries came out of is how do we create a culture that we bring people into that we don't necessarily teach them by information, but we teach them because they've come into the baptism of a culture. They've been baptized by a culture that walks with God. And so really it's not so much about what we are teaching them or the information we're giving them or the times when we're sitting across the table from them, but it's rather about the daily living that we're trying to demonstrate. This is what it would look like to interact with your child in this manner. This is what it looks like for even staff, the way we interact with each other and really teaching them just by giving them um, an entire culture that is set up for observation and observing the ways of the kingdom. So all of that, this is in my book, Discipleship from Information to Execution. I'm going to kind of be walking you through my book um, and really kind of taking a look at how do we, uh, we're going to be attacking the question, how do we chemically create in the culture, in churches, what should be happening organically, but more important, and more importantly, why isn't it happening, happening organically? I'm all tongue tied right now. Um, and really kind of backing up and saying, are we asking the right questions in regard to discipleship? And how do we really begin to cultivate a discipleship culture, um, not just in your church, but in your life? So this kind of ends today's episode where I just wanted to share with you a little bit of where I come from and um, coming alongside Kate. And I'll be telling more about that and how uh, she really just t took the word like I would listen. Let, let me say this. She didn't just teach me the word. She didn't say you have to read the word. She, we would be doing life, doing something. And she would say, you know, the Bible says this about that. And so it wasn't like she said, here's the word over here and you need to come to the word. She said, hey, I see you where you're at and I'm going to bring the word to where you're at. That's wisdom of the word. Um, it's a gift that she has. And honestly, it's a gift that God has given to me when I'm working with people in counseling and discipleship. Uh, in the housing program, whatever it is, I don't say, well, okay, the word of God is all the way over here and this is where I need to yank you into. I say, well, I see this is where you're at right here. And God has this to say about you right where you're at. 
Um, and so that's kind of what, how we want to really learn how to use the word. But before I can do that as a, as a mentor, I have to have an understanding. I have to have had lived it. I have to know what the word says. I have to be in love with how kingdom truths apply to what somebody's experiencing in a moment. So again, we're going to be talking about all of that. Um, most people, we're going to be talking about the importance of having a mentor, somebody speaking into your life um, and really helping walk through life with you. Um, but this wraps up today. Remember to like this um, episode, subscribe if you haven't subscribed, and I look forward to walking through this entire series with you. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can also find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my other podcast show, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For general information or resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Thanks for listening.